0: Time Lord that explores the galaxy while on his time-traveling adventures. Welcome to the world of the longest-running science fiction series in history, with your co-hosts Susan Backstrom, David Grant, Matthew Rose, Tom Diamond, and Craig Johnson. They explore the classic series from its humble beginnings in 1963, and tracking through time to every episode up to the current day. This is the Doctor Who Retrospective, where a legend will never Die. die. Down
1: down down da down
0: down
2: Christmas from the Literary License Podcast. And this Doctor Who Week we will be covering the Edge of Destruction from 1964. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Craig Johnson with us. Hello, Craig. Hello, everyone. We got Matthew Rose with us.
3: Hello, Matthew. Yes, it is freezing as Mondas, but that's a but that's about two series um, later on down the line. and let's find
2: out before we get started let's find out what each of us has been up to starting with you Craig what have you been up to since last time we spoke
4: to you well I've been getting to grips with my new job at at work so I'm trying to get my head around that I'm working from home looking after my mom because she had surgery and I've been uh binge I binge watched um Wednesday finally got through all all eight episodes I thought it was a fantastic series Really enjoyable, Um, and yeah, love a bit of Tim Burton and the Adams family. Mm. I I
2: sat there and say it's an excellent series, and Jenny Ortega is fantastic as Wednesday. Yeah, Yeah. and she's had she has quite the year actually. I mean, she was in X, which has done really well as far as horror movies go are concerned. Um, It's a film that has made like over fifty million. Dollars for a horror film, which is excellent. And then she also did Scream, the new Scream film as well. So she's had a good good year, Art Jenny Ortega. So, and what about yourself, Matthew? What have you been up to?
3: Oh, well, oh excuse me, one second. <coughs> I'm so 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 sorry. I got a bit of a cough there and a bit because it's freezing. Um, I had completed on Friday my five week course in admin, so everything's done. I've gotten um, to wait for the final certificate. I did a distance learning for that, so I've retrained my skills. Um, I've retrained my skills and how to deal with people over the phone, how to deal with people in office. So basically, I've retrained a lot of what I have known, but some of it I've never done before. So it was, it's been a great experience, and it was just so weird on Friday. Nobody wanted to say goodbye.
2: well that's good that means they liked you
3: oh yes because I have a potential interview tomorrow to go back there so it's 9.30 in the morning I've got a meeting that's the thing that I've got to slug out for
2: Mm. oh you'll do fantastically well
4: you'll you'll do well
3: congratulations
2: good luck
4: with that Matt
3: yes thank you so much I'll send you both the PayPal afterwards (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> well myself um i won second place in a short story competition now and it's being um that's going to be published in may so that was quite good and i just signed with a new um agency in new york city um my new literature agency is named cindy springsteen and i just been commissioned to write a book so i'm working on that and getting things ready for Christmas and trying to keep warm because it's bloody cold here in London. So,
4: oh, yeah, this... I forgot to mention the snow, Keith.
2: Yes, we got snow. We might have a white Christmas. God bless you, Bing Crosby.
4: God bless us, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I watched the Muppet Christmas Carol, Keith. At, um... The Prince Charles Cinema. It was like the thirtieth anniversary of it. I watched sister. the
3: extended brilliant. version of that on Disney Plus the other day because mm-hmm. they had a deleted scene from it.
2: Yeah, it was brilliant. I used to know the girl who play who sings the solo in it. God, I can't remember her name now. Yeah. I I mean I know no, like It was twenty years ago that we we used to hang around but she played you know she has her solo song in that and the reason why i knew her is because she played eponine and my ex used to direct late like miz so that's so i met her her through him and of course what happens when you get divorced from your ex it's like you can have your friends back so, <laughs> but she was really good i quite like i mean she had a lovely singing voice and i think that's one of the scenes that was cut wasn't it was her, when the love is gone yeah, when yeah love is gone
3: yeah, that's put in the extra version on Disney Plus. You can watch the song on its own or the full version of it put back in.
2: Mm. And I quite like that song. So, I, I, whenever I watch it, I try to watch the extended version because I think her ver- her song is is quite a nice song actually.
3: Yeah, um, it's the first time I've seen it because I've seen the original, and then mm. I've seen now, which is that technically is the original, which is quite nice for comparison.
2: Hmm. I quite like, um, the Christmas Carol I always watch every year is the one with Kelsey Grammer from Frasier. It's a musical and it has like Ruthie Henschel in it and the guy from Rent and Alec McBeal, and Jane Krakowski from, well, she was in Alec Beal and then she also was in that Tina Fey comedy. And I quite like that because the music's written by Alan Menken who did Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King and all, and wrote the music for all those and um hercules and so i, I like that one because i like the music in it and it's quite fun sort of thing and it's got geraldine page in it and so i kind of mm. watch that and that's yeah it's, that you can find that on amazon prime now so all, that always pops up so mm. and it's it, it's um it's it's the musical that they do at the um radio city music hall on broadway every year so they recast it and every year this is placed during their christmas season and you normally have the rockettes coming out at some point. What? Oh yes,
3: yeah. so I met some of them when I was in New York. They had like a photo photo opportunity to meet like one of the dancers that was one of the Rockettes. Oh,
2: and with oh, cool. Were there all long, long legs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, Love there were legs. I think in the musical there was like um a picture of like a painting of an elephant that was trying to come cool up the stairs. I don't know how it got into the building, but somehow it got in many years ago.
4: <laughs> hard, per- yeah. Apparently
3: they had all this loud footing. Nobody knew what it was. They thought it was an earthquake and it was a baby elephant coming up the stairs.
2: How does <laughs> <laughs> oh, a baby elephant <laughs> get into the rock? Music City, Radio City Music Hall in New York City. That's, that's, a, that's a mystery within itself.
3: yeah and they've literally got the picture of it in there so you get to see the elephant in black and white coming up the stairs
2: (laughs) (laughs) weird (laughs) what we're going to do is we're going to cut to the synopsis of Edge of Destruction for Doctor Who and be right back This is the synopsis for Doctor Who, The Edge of Destruction, aired on the dates, the 8th of February and the 15th of February, 1964. The first Doctor, while attempting to correct the TARDIS's faulty navigation circuits, causes a small explosion. The Doctor, Barbara Wright, Ian Charleston, and Susan Foreman are all temporarily rendered unconscious. When they wake. Ian and Susan appear to have a slight case of amnesia and everyone begins to act strangely. The travelers are becoming suspicious of each other's motives and the doctor accuses Ian and Barbara of sabotage, feeling that they have been taken over by some alien force or that they have intentionally sabotaged the TARDIS to force the doctor to return them to 1963. He drugs Barbara and Ian knowing that Ian is also suspicious and is not taking the drink given to him. The Doctor attempts to explore the problem without interference. Gradually, it becomes clear that the strange events are an attempt by the TARDIS itself to warn the crew that something is wrong. Barber's clue gathering forces the Doctor to trace the problems to a broken spring in the fast return switch. The malfunction is causing the TARDIS to head back to the beginning of time. The strange events were just attempts by the TARDIS to warn the passengers before the ship is destroyed. Fixing the switch brings them back to normal. Although the day is saved, Barbara is still affected by the doctor's harsh words earlier. The doctor apologizes and admits that he was wrong about Barbara and Ian. The story closes with the TARDIS materializing on a snowy landscape, where Susan spots a giant footprint in the snow. And that's the synopsis for Doctor Who, The Edge of Destruction, airing on the 8th to the 15th of February, 1964. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the podcast. We're discussing Doctor Who, The Edge of Destruction from 1964. And starting with you, Matt, what are your your thoughts about these episodes?
3: Oh, The Edge of Destruction. Now, if Doctor Who... I know they had stage plays many years down the line, but I would say this was the first stepping stone into Doctor Who doing a stage production. There was no true villain. It was a great ensemble cast. They were all given something really strongly to do now um, susan i mean carol ford for people that say susan could be a bit of a wet blanket because you know she lived a very short life with her grandfather and all that i viewed it was one of her better stories because susan had like um the scissors she was literally screeching it looks something out of a horror movie it was really something that was quite psychological for a children's show back then. Um, the mastermind behind Edge of Destruction, um, I don't, I don't know what on earth he was thinking. You have literally followed cave people, you followed the iconic Daleks, and then suddenly you end it on like this sort of mini trilogy where the crew have firmly tightened their bond after nearly killing each other, which is so funny to me. It's like they all have. It's like you'd think it's a lunatics inside an asylum when you watch them. I have to say though, I think it was, um, I think each person played their part extremely well. Barbara, it seems she had a lot more to do as well as Ian. It seemed they were coming out of their shell of being school teachers. Um, they were all trying to keep their sanity together in this like claustrophobic environment. Um, for the length it is, I'm just surprised it got away with it, because it's very short, it's very fast-paced, it's essentially something you can see with the newer series of Doctor Who like, um, the formatting now is, like, designed to be quick for the audience, and that was very quick for a 60s audience, I mean, for me, also, I think Hartnell, when he's going on like, insane, like, uh, he suddenly looks like Doc Brown one minute because of all the sweat and the heat in there, it's his hair is like flying everywhere. It's just, it's absolutely, I'd say it's an overlooked gem for Doctor Who because people always go on about what's your favourite thing from Doctor Who. And I'd say I'd highly recommend The Edge of Destruction if you literally don't want a really long piece of a story that's dragging out too long. It's fast, it's quick, it gets to the point. The enemy in the TARDIS is literally taunting them and it's not an enemy you can see which is fantastic it makes them all back crazy and I think if I'd if I'd say to a person who's starting Doctor Who I mean as much as this might be controversial for people but I would say unless you watch the pilot like the opening of episode one An Earthly Child I'd say start with the Daleks go to Edge because I think that was more the strongest start for Doctor Who more than um more than how it actually started. Mm. And what about
2: yourself, Craig? What are your thoughts?
4: Um, The Edge of Destruction, it reminded me of um when you get actors doing a monologue or a something together in a in a rehearsal type of thing. Um and they and they show mixed mixtures of emotions and you know the doctor was trying to um, program the Tardis um, and try and control the Tardis, which was a it was good because that's the first time you can see him trying to control the Tardis. But then you realise the Tardis has a mind of its own because it was going to basically take them to the beginning of creation until there was a big explosion on board. But the what Matt said as well. Um, It was quite chilling, you know, the scene with the scissors when Susan had the scissors and she started to lunge. And I thought, wow, that is pretty heavy going for a 1960s children's TV program because, you know, that looks quite violent. Um, But when she lunged towards Ian and then Ian even he looked possessed almost and he said something. Um, That's when it made me think that, you know, these really good high calibre actors are just showing their skills um, and it's very minimal. It's a very minimalist episode because you're ba- you're basically with the main cast: Ian, Barbara, Susan, the Doctor, all in the Tardis environment. There's you know you, the doors open, but you don't see outside, or you know it was very um, eerie. And I was thinking, was it an entity that had taken over them? But then I realised it wasn't. It was the this is what confused me. It was the um, the the fast return switch on the Tardis had um caused that to happen. Yeah, so
2: it's a, sp- a broken um, spring in the fast return switch.
4: Yeah. Um, But I feel like it was a filler because it was only two episodes and it felt like they could have just done that to rehearse and to, and then not, and, and then it could have ad- been added into another of the episodes. It was just a bit strange that there was a two episode there because um, it leads on to the Marco Polo, which was like seven episodes. And the one before it, the Daleks, was like, I think that was seven episodes as well, or six or seven. So, um, but yeah, it was, um, it I thought it was a bit callous of Ian and Barbara. <laughs> After the explosion, when the doctor's clearly injured, lying on the floor, you know, Ebenezer, who, they're literally just standing over him as if to say, you know, oh, you know. <laughs> the, the old fucker's on the floor but we're not going to bother to do anything about it we're just going to carry on as normal and just worry about ourselves that that was like yeah um, so it'd be interesting to see how that relationship develops and see if they then defend him and are they going to look out for each other and are they going to realise that, doc, that Doctor Who is actually a, a really good person or are they just going to try and continue to have them injured and in, um, like a surgery rights sort of scenario or a tasty very medicine doctor? That's what it feels like at the moment, from what I could gather. See, what I took away from it is I think it's one of
2: those uh, two episodes is that basically they spent a lot of money. This is probably an expensive show for the BBC at this time. You know, when you look at the sets and the. Characters and the costume designs and so on and so forth, and I think that they like okay. Well, we need you know we need something that's going to cut costs a little bit, and so therefore we're going to set everything in one place, sort of thing. And you do see this in other TV shows. Other TV shows kind of do this, where you know, you know, it's like you know, oh, we're they haven't really gone too far beyond like the four walls, sort of thing, because it keeps everything in you know, it. It's a way to ensure that you cut costs, you don't need extras, you can carry on with it. But I always find with these kind of episodes that they end up always being the strongest because they're not, you know, they're not depending on the special effects or the, you know, the set designs and all the other external characters. And so you're able to flesh out your characters a lot more. And I thought they did that very well here. I mean, you got to see William Russell running around in his boxers and a bathrobe. I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) <laughs> sort of thing, <laughs> but uh, um, and Susan got her hair messed up, so that was quite good. Um, but you know, and I don't know what, but Susan's shoes are freaking ugly, so you know, if I feel I've had to draw back on it. Her shoes weren't the greatest, so I was just like, oh, they're really ugly shoes, they're like it's, you know, it's, they had
4: like it's had interesting, like a little heel. Martin, Richard Martin, directed episode one, and then Rick, Frank Cox, episode. The, Directed episode two. So it was interesting that you had two directors on the different episodes and not just one director taking the lead, sort of thing.
2: Yeah, and um it's quite good because I'm trying to wonder if I, I didn't actually feel a difference in directors either. So that was yeah, quite same. good. Because sometimes you kind of get that, you know, what this part's done by this one, this part's done for something, and then you get like this change in tone. But
3: they kept that That's quite true. good. Yeah, I'm and I to sa- remember if Richard was on Marco Polo. So that's probably why he couldn't do the full thing with Edge.
2: I mean, it's a good skew um, episode as well. So where you go from, you know, the Daleks and now you're skewing into the next story. So that was quite interesting as well. The, uh, the, only, th- the only, I mean, the only g- g- nitpicking I will do is that sometimes when they show the controls on um, the TARDIS it'd be nice if they weren't written in magic marker because <laughs> I was like oh that's right who wrote that in magic marker because I'd be like you know what I mean so but I mean that, that's a really stupid thing to say and a really stupid thing to pit pick on it but after that, I was looking at it I was like oh that's a magic marker that's the first thing I my head. it's like why is that who wrote that in magic marker yeah <laughs> sort of thing you know, and I guess if it was done today, it'd probably be like a post it note. <laughs> Start button.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Oh, Door no, no. control. <laughs> <laughs> Water. <laughs> okay. So, but I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I thought it was quite funny that, you know, the first doctor is running around with a quiche a quiche pie plate on his head you know because it looks like you know the quiche pie plates and you know how they have you know they're kind of like have those diagonal cuts all the way around and then you take you push up the bottom of it because that way that way you have the quiche on the, the silver plate and then you just have the rim around and he's wearing the rim on his head so that was interesting you yeah. know so and i thought oh okay that's an interesting look i don't know how that's going to help your head but hey go for it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, what's he doing with a Keith Pie plate on his head for? So, but say, I mean, but in all seriousness, I mean, it's good to see Barbara get some balls. I mean, she really is like, you know, she, I'm, and it's, I, this is the first time she called the doctor on his shit. Let's be honest. It's like, really, you know, you kidnap us, we got you out of scrapes, you lied to us about, you know to get us down in the city. You almost get us killed again. And then you think it's us going after you. Really? And I I like that scene. That was a really good scene. Mm. She's like, cut the shit, doctor. I've had enough of your crap. It's like, don't pin this on us because you're an idiot.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I, I think this is the time when Barbara was coming more out of her shell, because obviously Ian is still trying to be peacemaker. And then there's Barbara wanting to get more in the action. Yeah. And
2: to be honest, it's like, I think this is the first time that we, you know, we see Barbara being true about everything, you know, it's like, you know, not just, you know, calling someone out is a strong thing to do because the only person who's called the doctor out really has been his granddaughter, Susan, really. She's called him out a couple of times, but it's quite good. It's like, you know, so therefore it's like. Barbara is no longer the prisoner. She's no longer the person who's been kidnapped. She's like, okay, I'm standing on my own now. I don't need this crap sort mm. of thing. And I like that. And the yeah. children are like, like,
3: yeah. And um, with it being a bridge story, as you say, this is the first time when they've had five minutes since the whole kidnapping stuff in the very first episode to really talk to the doctor about all the stuff that's been happening since they mm-hmm. left the junkyard.
2: I mean the only flaw I can see is uh when the exp when is the explanation sequence is where they're trying to explain what's really going on. And it, and I, you know, I kind of had to watch that a bit twice to <laughs> like really know what they were saying because I kind of got a little bit lost there. And um, but saying that, I mean, it is it makes sense, but but when they're kind of going into it, you're like, huh? sort of thing so it it took me a, it took me a you know a, a second little viewing there for those that five minutes where it's like okay okay now I got it it's like because I, I kind of got a little bit lost of like so I had like that big question mark over my head going huh but but it does make sense when I did listen to it it's like oh okay I, I should and I think probably what I was doing because normally when I watch some stuff you know how sometimes your mind kind of shuts off a little bit <laughs> I think my mind shut off just a little bit it's like oh but I mean, apparently this is um, also they took their inspiration from haunted houses and ghost stories and stuff like that and added it to TARDIS. And I thought they did that quite well as well. Mm. You know, like Phantom, you know, like um, Ghost in the Shell or, you know, the Japanese would take on about ghost and machinery. And um, we've seen a lot of Japanese horror. So that's quite interesting to see something like this done before all that became in vogue back in the 80s until now. So I thought that was quite ahead of its time, really. Anything more to add about edge tr- destruction? Cause there's so many episodes in this in this story arc. <laughs>
0: Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level, or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs give consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream of amazing designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise try amazing designs today contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com that's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code one 805 We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves.
1: But i be different than be the same.
2: Okay, well, I'm not, I think what we'll do is I mean, I think we should just go, who is your favorite character in this story? What's one really made your heart sing?
4: And starting with you, Craig, probably susan i I liked she was when she got possessed she she played it really well, it was very believable and um it's good to see a different side of her and yeah, seeing her with a knife was quite shocking, and um yeah, she you know not the normal miss goody two shoes you know that we're used to seeing. There were some long scissors
2: that she had. Yeah, Some long scissors. Um, who was your who? Is there anyone that you considered the least, the least capable in this uh, in the story?
4: Maybe the doctor, but I think the doctor spent most of the episode on the floor. Um, and it, it, it would have been nicer if it, there'd been like in a better explanation of what had actually happened because I was left a bit miffed. Because I thought, is it an entity? Is it no, no? And then I realised, oh, it's just the Tardis from a from a switch. You know, like it's like one of them things where they wake up and say, oh, it was all but a dream. (laughs) Yeah, a bit uh... like Dallas all over again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um... And I agree with that. What about yourself, Matthew? Who do you think was the strongest character, and who do you think was the least strongest character in this?
3: Well, as you know, when we keep um doing like these um. These reviews, I keep leaning more towards Susan the most because series one is definitely feels the strongest for Caroline Ford. But at the same time, when you come into the next series, you can ultimately see why Caroline Ford decided it was time to go. This was playing to her strengths this very first year. It was like they all knew what to do. The crew got on very well. Susan with the scissors, I say, the knife. It was like it's like you see this frightened child not knowing what what to do and yeah i would agree the sentiment about the doctor it is doctor who but you could definitely tell that how early days it was they didn't know what to do with him because they were changing the format as you can tell on a weekly basis so he was knocked out unconscious like someone who was in the pub it was just him on the floor nobody it's like they didn't really bother what to do with him it was like it was like the companions seemed like they were the stars of the show this week and the doctor was in the background again
2: mm-hmm. i agree with that my favorite character has to be barbara i mean to see barbara finally come into her own and not just be a victim i quite i quite like that I think Susan was excellent um, as well, but Barbara, for me, when you know when she told the doctor off, I thought I thought I was like kind of rooting for her, like good for you, babe, get on with it, babe, sort of thing. So I quite liked her a lot. The doctor, there's like a for me, there's a slight disconnect because in the Daleks, it's kind of like he was softening, and in this episode, he like hardened again. It's like, and i think thinking to myself, like, what in the hell happened before between you being knocked out? And then the previous storyline. Because he was softening. And now, now he's like hard and bitter and brittle again. And I am like... Well, I always this- wondered
3: on that note if this was supposed to be straight after the caveman story. But they, they had to swap it for the Daleks.
2: Mm. And I mean, that is possible. You know? But then again, if they were swapping it, I mean, the, this ends with them in the snow, which is the next storyline. So... So like
3: in the original scripting for it Before it
2: actually yeah, it's, it's, po- it's possible sort of thing Um, But yeah it, uh, Or you know maybe Maybe this had a different writer than the ones Previously and maybe they just got like, Okay well the Doctor's going to be like this And then because they write these You know they write these stuff ahead of time anyway They don't write you know This is not like American television You know when it, when it comes to BBC Or, or like EastEnders where, Well, basically, like in American television, what happens? You have a, a staff of writers. And as the show, you know, as the show's going on, they got these people writing and then basically like, okay, well, this is working, so we'll move it this way. And, you know, that, and that's an ongoing process. Where it comes with the BBC, everything's kind of written, like the whole season is written in advance before they even start filming it. So maybe, you know, so maybe... You know, the softening of the doctor and stuff like that. The guy who wrote this episode might have not got the notes that this is what they're doing as well. You know, okay, this is the this is the story arc, this is what we're doing. So there is that possibility, maybe. Or or maybe, uh, maybe they're looking at the doctor in a simple case is that um, you know, maybe he's the instead of the ghost or the TARDIS being the one that's striking out, that maybe it's the doctor striking out and trying to give it that. You know the show that you know, trying to force your direction in this in this way when it's actually this way, sort of thing. So maybe it has something to do with that. So, well, is there anything more to add about these episodes? This was a nice short, um short, sweet. Just one of our shortest episodes ever in the Literary License Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Considering last week's was three and a half hours, yay! <laughs> the end of the literature license podcast next month we'll be covering episodes that have been lost or deleted from marco polo which are episodes covered from 22nd of february to the 4th of april 1964 next week we'll be doing our make remakes so will be west side story the 1961 original and the steven spielberg 2021 remake and our MM, of course, will be doing everything with the holiday Christmas cheer, with Eating Raul about killing off swingers and turning them into dog food, and the musical by Terry Trey Parker and Matt Stone from the People Who Did South Park called Cannibal the Musical, which is fine for a nice holiday festive treat. And of course, Doctor Who will be coming back and will be uh, not Doctor Who, sorry, it will be Doctor Sh- Dark Shadows will be coming back. Tom is back with us. He's had a, you know, he's recovered from his stroke. So we'll be going back to Dark Shadows and we'll be finishing off that series. And of course, in January for 2023, our books of screens will be the controversial We Need to Talk About Kevin and the film starting Tilda Swindon. And of course, Batman will be back with Batman, and we'll be covering four episodes as we move forward with the episodes. Drum roll, please! Feet of Clay, Part One and Part Two. We'll be looking at Clay, and we will be also looking at the episodes Vendetta and Fear of Victory, and that'll be what we'll be doing with Dark Sh- um, with Batman. So it's good night for myself before I screw this up any further.
3: Good night, Craig.
4: Good night, everyone.
3: <laughs> good night, Matthew. Good night and stay warm. It's freezing cold. And a merry Christmas and a happy
2: New Year and happy holidays to all. Listeners.
1: I'm a man of reason, and they say. The season to be jolly, but it's folly when you folly for position. Never in existence has there been such a resistance to ideas meant to free us. If you could see us, then you'd listen. Toiling through the ages, making toys on garnished wages. There's no union, we're only through when we outdo the competition. Girl, girls and boys Before you wish for what you wish for There's a list for who's been naughty or nice But consider the price to an elf A full indentured servitude Can reflect on one's attitude But that silly red hat Just makes a fat man look outrageous Absurd though it may seem, you know I've heard There's even been illegal doping And though we're coping, I just hope it's not contagious You try to start a movement And you think you see improvement But when thrown into the moment We just don't seem so courageous I make toys but I've got aspirations Girls and boys before you wish for what you wish for There's a list for who's been naughty or nice But consider the price to an elf You look at yourself, you're an elf And the shelf is just filled with disappointing memories Trends come and go and your friends want to know Why you are just happy making crappy lives Every kid knows they'll just throw this stuff away We used to repetition, so we drew up a petition We the undersigned, Bill we'll undermine, let's redefine employment We know that we've got leverage, so we'll hand the fat man a beverage He'll sit back while we attack the utter lack of our enjoyment it may be tough to swallow, but our breaths so are far from hollow. He may thunder, but if he blunders, he may
4: wonder where the toys
1: went. Wish for what you wish for There's a list for who's been Naughty or nice, but consider the price Naughty or nice, but consider the price Naughty or nice, but consider the price To an
3: elf